Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Folks, as you know, we had an historic event on August 28th at the Lincoln Memorial, the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington, and we marked it with a Make Good Trouble rally in memory of John Lewis and all those who were there in 1963. We came together to make some good trouble. We're going to share with you some of the important messages from that day. First of all, today, this will be part one, Congressman Jamal Bowman, Reverend Dr. William Barber, Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, both co-chairs of the Poor People's Campaign, Deborah Watts, representing the family of Emmett Till. We're going to hear that today. And then on Tuesday, September 7th, after the holiday, you'll hear the second part on Tuesday, September 7th, after we get the jobs report from Chad Stone on Monday, Labor Day. Peace and love, peace and love. How y'all doing? Who would have thought that 58 years later we would be fighting for the same exact thing 58 later, 58 years later? Because when you're in this country and you're fighting for justice and equality, particularly racial justice, The fight is literally every second of every day, of every week, of every year of our lives. That's literally what the fight is all about. And it's no surprise that the Supreme Court took a hatchet to the Voting Rights Act when Barack Obama was president. Because they are scared to transfer the power from our governments to the people. They are scared to transform our power from large corporations to the people. Now, I just got to Congress about nine months ago. And what I realized from the very beginning, to echo what my brother just mentioned, number one, our vote matters. Because if our vote didn't matter, I would not be standing here with you today. If our vote didn't matter, I would not have beat a 31-year incumbent that was entrenched in a system of white supremacy and oppression. And since we won that election, the world is taking notice that transformative change is happening in the United States of America. 
But that line is very thin. And if we don't fight tooth and nail every second of every day of our lives, that power will be taken back. And that's exactly what is happening in states across the country. These states are undermining the right to vote. And they are taking away the power from the people. And it is being led by Republicans. But we have too many damn Democrats who aren't stepping up and letting their voices be heard. We have senators like Senator Sinema and Senator Joe Manchin that don't want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to keep a Jim Crow relic in place so that they can continue to be funded by the fossil fuel industry and other racist organizations that undermine the power of the American people. That is my new place of business, not too far from here. And like every American institution, I used to be in education for 20 years before coming to Congress. Unfortunately, Congress, like education, like every American institution, is rooted in European settler colonialism and white supremacy. And it is our job. This is a glorious day. This is a beautiful day. Thank you all for coming out. I'm so humbled to be standing here speaking with you today. But today is not enough. And tomorrow is not enough. And a week, a month, a year of going hard is not enough. We have to build strong black coalitions across this country. We need to build strong indigenous coalitions across this country. All people who stand for racial, social, and economic justice and is doing anti-colonial work, fighting to defeat white supremacy, we all need to be in coalition. And as we work in coalition, we need for President Biden to hear from us every single day. We need for Speaker Pelosi to hear from us every single day. We need Leader Hoyer. We need Whip Jim Clyburn. We need Senator Chuck Schumer. We need every member of Congress, all 535 members, to hear from you every single day. There are groups across this country and around the world who call my office on a daily basis lobbying and advocating for what they want. I need to get more calls from black folk. Please. Call my office, write my office, email my office, demand transformative change right now. And the one, the good thing about this country that I want to mention, revolution and evolution and transformative change is in our DNA. Because if it weren't, we would still be slaves in chains. If it weren't, we will still be segregated under Jim Crow laws. We know it has evolved, and racial oppression has become economic oppression, which is why we have the wealth inequality that we have. And we know that too many members of the police department seem to believe that we're still in 
1845. But here's my charge to all of us before I go. If we continue to do anti-colonial work and uplift the consciousness of all people in this country and around the world, white supremacy will be defeated immediately. And we will have our voting rights, we will have our civil rights, and we will have racial justice in this country. And I stand here with you as a member of Congress, with everyone who really wants to save our democracy, which hangs by, hangs by a thread at this moment. If you are ready for that fight, I am here to fight with you. And let's fight together in coalition across the country and around the world. Peace and love, everyone. Thank you all so much. Congressman Jamal Bowman, give him a round of applause. It is my honor now to introduce one of our great brothers, when A. Philip Randolph introduced Dr. King 58 years ago, he referred to Dr. King as the moral leader of our generation. And the generations keep on rolling. Time is not linear, but circular. And so this moral leader of this generation comes to us now 58 years later one of the co-chairs of the Poor People's Campaign along with the other co-chair, both of them come now with two impacted people in the Poor People's Campaign, the Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris and the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II. Hear ye them. Hello, Washington, D.C. Hello, these yet-to-be-United States of America. My name is Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, and I am the proud co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. And we are standing here strong, from West Virginia to Texas, from Pennsylvania to New York, North Carolina to California. As Reverend Dr. King said, there comes a time when we must sound the alarm. From these very steps, 58 years ago, he implored the nation, we have come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. There is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism, now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. And in a nation, the richest nation in human history, that has 140 million people who are poor, or one health care crisis, one job loss, one health, one storm away from economic ruin, we indeed must sound the alarm. When because of the gutting of the Voting Rights Act, we have fewer voting rights today than 56 years ago, we must not cool off. When climate crisis is wreaking havoc 
on the lives and livelihoods of people all over this world. When there's a Supreme Court, an unconstitutionally constituted Supreme Court, they can overturn a moratorium on evictions. We must protest. We must rally. We must organize and mobilize and sit in and stand up. Not just for a day, not just for a summer, but until all people are housed, until all people are fed, until all people earn a living wage, when our voting rights are protected and expanded, all debt is canceled, all air and water is clean, all people are free to thrive, not just barely survive. We're living in a time of crisis when the foundations of injustice and racism and poverty are crumbling and a fusion movement of people coming together across all the lines that divide us is breaking through and building power. It's times like these when throughout history, prophets have to arise to sound the alarm, to cry out, somebody is hurting our people. Somebody is evicting our families. Somebody is suppressing our votes. But we won't be silent anymore. I want to introduce two uh, sound alarms that are here with us from Unite here today, sounding the alarm on the injustice that does not have to be as we move forward together, not one step back. More MIP after this message. Hey there, I'm Nadia Komodo. Check out my show, Tigress, which is basically my unfiltered and unapologetic journey of being a work in progress. Like, I hope that I am authentic and I try to be as unfiltered as I possibly can. I am so passionate about what I do, from talking about periods to wanting to build community around the cause to loving the business that I'm working on. Tune in each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. My brothers and sisters, 58 years ago, a preacher from Georgia stood on these steps and declared, in the face of racism and economic justice, a nightmare. A nightmare that was lengthened by congressional and state filibustering. He said that day, I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with his vicious racists, with his governor's lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. He also said on behalf of the people that day, we can't be satisfied and we will not be satisfied. His dream was not an abstract dream, but a concrete hope rooted in a, a demand for jobs and living wages and voting rights. In fact, the march that day was the march for jobs and justice. He wanted his children and all children and another generation to come to know the best that was possible in this nation. Now that was 58 years ago, but still today we can't be satisfied. And we would do well to remember that the legal basis for the very personal source of Dr. King's agony 
as he stood here that day and first told America about the nightmare, all of that came from state legislatures passing bad laws from the bottom up. The constitutional and moral crisis we face today is the direct result of forces in state legislatures that have organized to push back against the progressive voice and power in this country. It is not just an attack on black people. It is an attack on justice and the progressive voice in this nation. And this, and this attack is allowed because we don't have sufficient federal protections. We still have actors in state legislatures in 49 states, and too many of them are succeeding in suppressing the vote and blocking living wages and blocking police reform and blocking health care and blocking education. And so we are not gathered here just to commemorate. In fact, I would dare say we don't need another commemoration. We need a recommitment. We need a reconsecration. We're not here just for something that happened a long time ago. No, no, we're not here just to have a day. We are here today to continue the work of our foreparents to expand democracy until we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In fact, we cannot reduce our movements to single-issue protests. And anybody that tries to lead you on a single-issue protest is a misleader and not a leader. Our issues are as complicated as our blood system and our nervous system in our bodies. And so we're here today. We've come together from many corners to lay out a vision, demand action, to address the interlocking injustices and the interlocking evils of systemic racism, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, the war economy, and the false moral narrative of Christian nationalism. So we declare and we demand that if we pass the For the People's Act and the Voting Rights Restoration Act, we could stop James Crow Esquire and Jean Crow Esquire. Laws that are designed to hurt black people and white people and brown people and native people and poor people and rural people and urban people and the, and the working people and the disabled. We could institute elections that would be fair and full. We could make sure that everybody, every eligible voter can vote. If we pass the For the People's Act, all that they're doing in the states becomes illegal immediately. If we pass the Voting Rights Act restoration, then they have to go through preclearance. If we end the filibuster, we could do it all and do it all right now. If we instituted a $15 minimum wage, living wage, we could raise 32 million people out of poverty and low wealth immediately and pump $328 billion into the economy immediately. If we pass a full inhumane economic budget and infrastructure plan, we can end poverty and low wages from the bottom up. If we had put the $6.4 trillion we have poured into endless wars since 9-11, if we had put it into green energy, we could have built a renewable energy across this country and infrastructure with mere trillions of dollars to spare. If we stop housing evictions, we can prevent millions from being thrown out in the street. 
If we restored the corporate tax rate to what it was before Trump, we could raise $130 billion and provide early child care and education for every child in this country. And we can do it. We can do it. We have to make this nation face its moral crisis. We have to make this nation ask the question, what does it profit America to hold on to a filibuster and get a limited infrastructure bill and lose the soul and the infrastructure of our democracy? What does it profit America to hold on to an infrastructure and not lift 140 million Americans out of poverty and low wealth? And so it's time. It's time for a full moral movement to shift the moral narrative and build power, especially among the 140 million poor and low wealth people that now make up 30% of the electorate. This is the time. And it's not about Democrat, and it's not about Republican, it's not about left, it's not about right, right. it's about right versus wrong. Now is the time. And if I could borrow from Martin Luther King, anybody who tries to criticize these demands and say they are somehow anti-American and wrong, well, if our demands for full justice are wrong, then the Constitution is wrong. If our demands are wrong, then the Bible is wrong when it says in Isaiah 10, woe unto those who legislate evil and rob the poor of their rights. If our demands are wrong, somebody better check Jesus because he said the nation would be judged. When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was in prison, did you see about me? When I was sick, did you heal me? But the truth is, Liz, our call for voting rights and living wages and police reform and health care and climate are not wrong. They are right. And they really are the only thing worth spending our lives for. If you're still alive in the, in the midst of COVID, then you ought to use every breath you have to change this nation. We made a decision in Afghanistan 20 years ago wrong because too many didn't have the courage to say no. We can't make that mistake now when it comes to saying no to those that want to take our country back. And if we don't do this work, I fear for this nation. But we will do it. We have to do it because we refuse to give up on the possibility of America. These demands of justice are non-negotiable and they cannot be watered down. There is no moderate position when it comes to justice. And that's why we come together. We work together 58 years ago Black women weren't allowed on this stage. But 58 years later, they're leading this stage. 58 years ago, they didn't have Latinos on this stage. But today they are. 58 years ago, there were no white main speakers. But today they are. There were no brothers and sisters from Appalachia and Alabama. There were no LGBTQ folk on the stage openly. There were no native and Asian, but today they are because we must come together. We must build a movement together. We all are being attacked by the same forces, Mark. The same people that are against black folk, are against Latino folk, are against women, are against gay people, are against Asians. 
are against voting rights, are against health care, are against living wages. And if they are cynical enough to be together, we got to be smart enough to come together. And so I close the day by saying there's power in coming together. During the slavery, it looked like slavery had won. But when Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass got together with some white Quakers and some white evangelicals like, like William Lord Garrison, they tore slavery down. Women didn't have the right to vote, but when Sojourner Truth, a black woman, got with Lucretia Mott, a white woman, they marched together in the streets of this city and they won the right to vote. It looked like monopolies would have the last word. But at the turn of the 20th century, when multiracial coalition decided it was time together, come together, white and black labor people came together and won labor laws. It looked like Jim Crow had beaten down injustice, but then Rosa Parks and Martin King and a gay guy named Bayard Ruster and a black woman named Fannie Lou and another brother named Bob Moses got together with white folk like Glenn Smiley and Jonathan Davis and Viola Lewusa and James Reed and they tore Jim Crow down. In the 19th century, when poor white farmers and formerly enslaved people got together, they built the first Reconstruction, a fusion movement, and won the 14th, 15th Amendments to the Constitution and the Civil Rights Act of 1875. And I must tell you, as I make my way to North Carolina, they told me I might never walk again. But when the prayer warriors got together, and the doctors got together, and my family got together, and, and my faith got together, and my swim coach got together. I can jump now. I can walk now. There's power when we come together. And so, y'all, let's come together. And if we come together, God will help us. The Spirit will help us. Tamika, the ancestors, will help us. And the whole nation will thank us. And generations yet born will call our name. Let's come together black and white and brown and native and Asian and young and old and gay and straight and Christian and Hindu and Muslim and Jewish and even persons who don't have a religious faith but they believe in the moral arc of the universe. Together, until the poor are lifted. Together, until the workers are paid. Together, until the sick are healed. Lord, help me here. Together, until voting is guaranteed. Together, until unmerciful house evictions are stopped. Together, until police killing is stopped. Together, until land and water is not paused. Together, until war is not pushed and promoted and promulgated. Together, until humanity is respected and children are protected and civil rights and labor rights and human rights are never neglected. Let us be together until these things are actualized let us never be satisfied. And if we come together, if we work non-violently together to change this nation, we will change it. And there will be something said about our work. When we all got together, what a day, what a day, what a day, what a day, what a day of justice it will be. When we all get together, what a day. What a day! What a day!
the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II, and the Poor People's Campaign. This is the sacred space. Dr. King was headed back here in 1968 before he was taken from us. He was coming back here to build the Poor People's Campaign, to build Resurrection City. Give Reverend Barber another round of applause. Bishop Barber. More MIP after this message. I thought she had not made it in. We acknowledge the family of Emmett Till, the video people, you wanna put Emmett's message back up, uh, back up. It's a sacred day. We know that Emmett Till was our first Trayvon Martin, amen? And his death sparked a whole movement, amen? August 28th, 1945, Jack and Rachel Robinson. August 28th, 1955, Emmett Till. August 28th, 2008, Barack Obama. This is a sacred day. The family of Emmett Till is represented today by our sister Deborah Watts. This is a sacred time, sacred day, sacred space, and a sacred ancestor, Emmett Till, amen? Are we all in agreement on that? Please welcome from the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. It makes me sad to even mention it, because he should be here. Sister Deborah Watts, please welcome her. When I say justice, you say Emmett. When I say justice, you say Emmett. When I say justice, you say. When I say justice, you say. Emmett Till, my cousin. Our great grandfathers were brothers. On August 28th, 1955, he was lynched. His murder, the open casket funeral that his mother chose, woke up the world. It inspired Rosa to sit. It inspired Martha, Martin Luther King to speak at this very podium. It inspired Bayard Rustin and Philip H. Randolph to choose this day, August 28th, because they wanted that same kind of spirit, momentum, and backbone that was shown December 1st in Montgomery, Alabama at the start of the Civil Rights Movement. So are we ready to have that same kind of backbone, to have that same kind of ability to stand for our voting rights? One of my friends said, if we don't vote, we have no rights. Right, Julianne Malvo? <laughs> Dr. Malvo, yes. But I stand here today on the shoulders of all of our ancestors that have stood here before us. I stand here because that day, August 28, 1963, the mother of Emmett Till couldn't make it here because her mother was afraid for her. But I'm not afraid, and I'm standing for her and all of those others, those stolen lives that began before Emmett, through Emmett, and even after Emmett. So we have to stand here today. I'm standing here also to remind you that John Lewis implored us to restore the soul of our nation. We can't do that if we stand still. So I wanna thank the organizers of this march, the organizers of all the other marches that are occurring today. Until freedom, 
Gathering for Justice, and all the other organizations. Thank you very much for this opportunity. But I want to say this, that Emmett Till's case, you may not know this, it is still open after 66 years. We are holding and asking the country to join us in our Justice for Emmett Till campaign. We ask you to text Emmett to 243-725, and you can sign that petition, 243-725. But we're standing in solidarity, so I don't want you to forget that it's important to vote, it's important to restore the consciousness of America, and it's important to make sure that we stand for justice for all stolen lives. But right now, when I say justice, you say, when I say justice, you say Emmett. Justice for Emmett Till. Justice for Emmett Till. Thank you very much. Long live the spirit of Emmett Till. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.